What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, Episode 16. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the Budget-Minded Traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast. This is episode 16. And I think that this is an extra special episode. I feel like I've said that before, but I think I just get excited about all of my podcast episodes, which I guess that's okay. But one of my favorite things about having my own show is that I can give a voice to people who wouldn't normally be heard. So if you've listened to my show at all, you already know that you're hearing people that you have no idea who they are. You know, I mean, these are these are real people, real travelers with real experiences whom you wouldn't otherwise hear from. And today's guests are extra special because they are all kids. And this is something I haven't done before. Obviously, I'm only on episode 16 and this is kind of out of the box. So, but I also haven't really touched on family travel. And as most of you know, it's because I am not, you know, I mean, I'm married, but I don't have any kids. Um, So I cannot really offer a whole lot for family travel. And um, I just want to tell you a story real quick. I was at a barbecue here in Bozeman. This is a couple of months ago. And I started chatting with this 14-year-old kid who I heard him mention something about living in Indonesia and I just, my ears perked up and I was like, what, you know, like let's chat. And so I actually listened to him tell stories for, I would say the next hour, um, at this barbecue. (laughs) And I mean, I'm not normally one who interacts with children. I don't see them very often in, in the lifestyle that I have. And so There was something there and I got his information because I just thought, you know, I'm not sure why, but I need to get your information. And then that same weekend, one of my friends came to me and said, I just met the most amazing girls. You know, they had traveled with their family and they told stories. And I was just thinking, well, this is odd. You know, I mean, there has to be something here. And so I got their information as well. And I ended up actually interviewing all three of them. So there's two sisters, they're ages 11 and 14 now. And then this one boy who is 14 years old now, and they each have stories about how their families went abroad. This is long term we're talking. So the girls went um, three, they went for three months in Europe with their parents and they actually lived and toured in a van for those three months while traveling all over Europe. And this was three years ago. So they were eight and 11 at the time. And the boy had been, he had gone to Indonesia with his family. He has one brother and his two parents. They went over to Indonesia for an entire year 
And this was also three years ago. So he was 11 at the time as well. And um, I just wanted to talk to them and get their perspective on what this type of travel with their family did to their lives, um, how it affected them, you know, and, and how it changed their mind about things and what they learned. And so I wanted to be able to put all this together and share it with you because I know that I can't offer, like I said, I can't offer much in the way of family travel. And um, yet I get a lot of requests for it. And so I thought this would be a fun way to start. Um, And just so you know, I also, I plan to have the parents of the two girls on the show in the, in the near future at some point. So um, we can actually talk and talk to the parents and, you know, find out from the adult perspective, how, how a lot of this came into play. But um, today we are talking with the kids and each one of them is going to share with us about what they learned while they were traveling. And um, I would ask that for those of you who do have families and you are considering travel, whether it be long-term or short-term, because I'm sure that any of this can apply to, um, you know, either of those situations, but, um, that you listen to these kids with an open mind and, um, and try to imagine what this would look like in your own family. Um, if these were your children being given the opportunity to, you know, share about their travel experiences, what, what kind of stories would they, would they get to tell about, you know, what would they get to talk about and, and share with everybody? Um, because I really do think, I mean, I talked for a couple of minutes with the girl's parents and they said, you know, that they, they used to love traveling before and that it's even better now that they have their kids with them. And so um, I know that it sounds like a challenge for a lot of parents out there to, to travel with their children. And I mean, I know there are a lot of things that you'd have to overcome to get to that point, you know, and um, figure out like, you know, what they're going to do for school and, and a lot of the logistics of things. But at the same time, if I may, I would encourage you to consider it. And, um, you know, we all, we all know that they say, and I say this too, that you learn so much more, you know, from the world than you can in a classroom. I mean, I, I learned so much more studying abroad, just, just living abroad than I ever could from a classroom. And that can start at a young age. I mean, we're going to hear today the the lessons that they learned are kind of age appropriate, which is interesting because I wasn't necessarily expecting that, even though, of course, it makes sense. So for those of you who are thinking about possibly traveling abroad with your children, um, I definitely encourage you to listen to this one maybe a couple of times and uh, and hear what what has become of these experiences in, in these kids' lives because it's definitely changed them. And, um, and this could be your kids. So, so here we go. We've got, um, two sisters who live in Nevada. Their names are Allie and Noelle. We're going to hear from Allie first and then Noelle. And then we're going to be talking to Graham and Graham actually lives here in Bozeman. And they were all really excited to come on and talk about this. Um, I think because they don't normally have an outlet to share all these stories. So I will go ahead and pass the mic over to them and let them share about themselves and their travel stories. So here we go with the kids. All right. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for joining us on the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. And so how old are you, Allie? 
I'm 14 years old. 14. And your family has taken a trip that we cannot wait to hear about how that went and, and what you thought of it. So, um, I've already mentioned a little bit about you so far, but why don't you um, take a couple minutes to just let us know who you are and, and what were the travels that you got to do with your family? You know, like where did you go and, and what was the purpose of it? How long did that last? Okay. Well, as you said, my name's Allie and I'm 14 years old. Um, three years ago, my family, the four of us, we went to Europe for three months. We traveled around in a van the entire time. And we started in the Czech Republic. And from there, we went to Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Greece, France, San Marino, Spain, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. How many countries is that? I wasn't counting. Uh, it's 13. 13. I figured you would know. <laughs> so 13 <laughs> countries in three months from a van. That is so awesome. Um, and what was the reason? Why did you guys go? Well, my parents had lived in Spain um, before I was born, and they had always wanted to take us there, and it just seemed like a good time, so we went. Awesome. <laughs> just seemed like a good time, right? So yeah. then did you have to um, get out of school for that? Um, well, we started around the middle of summer, and my mom is a teacher, oh. so when the three months overlapped when, when we would have gone back to school, um, she just homeschooled us for that time. Oh, that's so awesome. So you actually were uh, just just probably less than a month or so, or maybe about a month homeschooling? Uh, I think it was around two months. Okay, so you didn't actually miss that much of school, right? No, it was fine. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't affect your grades at all, did it? Nope. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> that's so great. So um, before you went then, what were your thoughts about it? And you know, did you, were you a little nervous? Were you scared to leave your friends or, or what did you think about that? Yeah. Um, well, I was really excited because before then I had only been out of the country once to go to Canada mm-hmm. and I was really nervous because, you know, since I had only gone to Canada, they speak English. It was fine. It was not really different from America, mm-hmm. but I knew that going to Europe would be a huge difference. And I was kind of scared that I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone especially anyone my age, because I didn't speak the language. And so I missed um, communicating with my friends. That was what I was worried about. Right. But did you find, of course, you probably have like Facebook or something. Do you have Facebook? I don't have Facebook. You don't have Facebook. (laughs) You what? I have Instagram, but that's it. Oh, that's almost better. Then you can show (laughs) off to all your friends where you are and what you're doing, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious. So what grade were you in... Oh, because that was three years ago. So that yeah, would make sense just, that you didn't have Facebook. What grade were you in? I was just going to, into sixth grade. Into sixth. Okay, so there's no option for language study even before at that time, right, for in your school? Um, there actually was. I got to my school before they offered um, a dual immersion program. Oh. And that's what my sister is in, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so awesome. And is that Spanish? Uh-huh. Are you studying, too? a language? Um, I'll be starting this year. I'm going to take French. Okay. Good for you. So I'm curious what you thought about the language thing. Did you learn anything while you were over there? Just since that's one of the things you mentioned that you were nervous about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I learned so much. Um, the first, like the history is amazing. I learned so much about stuff that I had never known about before. And also I just learned how to get along with people because when you're over there, you don't, it's 
it's completely different and you feel like you don't really know anyone because obviously you don't. And right. you learn to talk to people and just get along after like, well, you learn to get along um, with people you've never spoken to. Yeah. Even sometimes without, without a common language, right? Like yeah. body, body language and yeah, body pointing language. and lots of smiling and nodding. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm curious, what was the hardest part about your travel experience? Do you have any stories that you want to tell about that? Yeah. Again, the hardest part was the language barrier and mm-hmm. we take, um, that for granted when we're here in America, because when we go to the store, we know we can read the labels, we can read the signs, we can talk to people, we can ask questions, they can help us. We, um, we're familiar with the money, we can actually use it. And when we went over there, I had <laughs> no idea. And so one time I was sick of drinking milk. And so I decided to go to the grocery store to get some grape juice. And I went and I found a box and it was juice and it had picture of grapes on it. So I assumed, oh, okay, it's great. Grape juice. Great. So I brought it home to our van and I say home, which was our van. Um, and I brought it home and I poured it and I tried a sip of it and it was wine. Yeah. I could see that coming. (laughs) And so just small things like that, it becomes such a big deal in your life. Yeah, I completely understand. Um, there was one time that we were just recently in Hungary and okay, like I, I actually make a great effort to learn languages in a lot of places where I go, but, um, they say that Hungarian is the hardest, like one of the hardest languages to learn on the planet. Um, and so of course I tried to learn some, but that's beside the point because we had rented a car and we were trying to find a rental or a rental, um, a parking spot once. And like, because of what you said, the signs, you know, even the little things that you just take for granted when you can read a sign, we found a spot on a crowded street and there were signs all around and we're like, can anyone help us figure out what this says? You know, we're trying to communicate with anyone we see, like pointing sign car. Okay. You know, like, can we park here? And no one seemed to know. They're just like, Oh yeah, whatever. Or you're fine. You know, giving us the signals for sure. That looks good. (laughs) And, uh, when we came to check on the car, like six hours later that night, there was a boot on it. Like, you know, they put the metal thing over the tire so you can't drive it away. And apparently we had picked the one spot. The reason why the spot was open was because it was a loading zone for like 10 a.m. It wasn't even like that time of day, but we still got a ticket for parking there. And so I, I compl- and that's frustrating, you know, cause it's, it could have been so easily avoidable and it seems like a silly thing that then cost us 60 euros. And, yeah. But, but yeah, the language thing, I mean, that that's motivation to, to learn. I think like yeah. I, try and learn part of the language wherever I go. And I, I find that a challenge that I really, really love. So maybe, maybe that'll be you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would, I would always try to learn like the basic phrases. Hello. How are you? Do you speak English? Yeah. That one. And that was, that was it. Yeah. That and like numbers for using the money. I mean, I can really relate to what you said about the money because 
I'm not very good at math at all. And I mean, I have stories about that, but, but, um, but the money can be so difficult, especially when they use it in like thousands instead of ones, you know, like we, whatever. So, um, well, that's awesome. So then on the other side, what are your best memories of this experience? Well, like you were speaking about the money, that was one of the most proud, the moment that I was the most proud of myself. Um, I was at the grocery store again and I bought something. And as I was counting the change later, I realized that they had given me the wrong, they had like, um, they should have given me like two more euros or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and I tried to explain in my various (laughs) hand gestures that they had given me two less euros than they should have. And they gave it to me and I got my two euros and I was so happy. (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) But Sorry, go ahead. But the moment that I really realized how much I loved Europe was um, the last night I was in Paris. We had, it was about midnight, I think. And we had gone up to the top of the Eiffel Tower and you could see Mm. everything below you. And it was just the lights. And I, in that moment, I could picture myself living there someday. And that was when I really, really wanted to come back. I just got chills when you were saying that. <laughs> I love that because I can picture that, you know, where you were and um, did the, I have to ask, did the Eiffel Tower light up at midnight? It did. Yes. And it started twinkling. Isn't that so magical? Yes. Oh my gosh. When we were there, we had no idea that that's what it does. And we were like, almost right under it, literally yeah. and it started doing that. And I mean, when you aren't aware that that happens, whoa, it's so cool. It's like so special. Yeah, it was beautiful. So you are studying French. So I, I think that you may, you may well be living there at some point in the future. That is so awesome. What was there a point where you were, I mean, you told me about the time you went to the store to get the, the grape juice. Um, was there any other times that you were exploring kind of on your own that you, that you could tell us about any stories like that? Yeah. Um, it was sixth grade. And so my parents were, it was, that's the age where you can kind of go around by yourself, but my parents were still hesitant, especially in a different country. Yeah. And so we went to this, um, Island in Greece. It was called Idra. Mm-hmm. And it's this tiny, tiny island. They don't have cars. They use donkeys instead. And it <laughs> no was... vans allowed. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Where did you sleep? <laughs> oh well, we left our van on the mainland, and then we took a little boat in, and then we stayed at a hotel finally for nice. once. <laughs> nice. Okay, go ahead. And so, um, my parents were. It was time to make dinner, so they're like, "Okay, let's go get some food and." I stood up and I'm like, actually, can I go shopping instead? And so um, I went out and I did the shopping. I wandered around the town. And that was the first time I was kind of on my own, especially in Europe. Mm -hmm. And it was just so different. And I learned so much within that, like, space of 45 minutes. And I use shopping just as an example for a lot, I realized, because um, we don't realize it, but we, like, communicate so much when we go shopping and we, um, our interaction with people, 
mm-hmm. and um, the money and the stuff around us. We have to read so much. We have to think. And so that was probably the hardest and most satisfying moment of the trip. Yes, you are so right about that, that you just you don't realize the kind of connections you make with other humans all the time, Yeah, (laughs) you know, or the communication that is so necessary to get those little things done. I think it's so great that you decided that you wanted to do that because those are the kind of things that you really grow from, you know, personally, obviously you really remember that time, even if it was like 30 minutes of the whole three months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So um, another question for you. How do you think the adventure, this three-month Euro trip, affected your relationship with your family? Um, well, I'm sure you can imagine um, being stuck in a van for three <laughs> months with your family. And your little sister. And yeah. yeah. I, yeah. About like 100 square feet that you have to live in. And even though our house is pretty small, even my own room, that seems so much bigger, you know, mm-hmm. and your personal space. Yeah. yeah. And so even though I love my family so much and we get along really well, we're a lot closer, I think, than some of my friends' families, mm-hmm. even that was kind of hard because you have no space <laughs> and you're with your entire family 24 seven. But I think it did draw us closer and at dinner, you know, we have a bunch of fun stories to talk about, like remembering. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can imagine how fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I bet your dinner conversations are a bit different than your friends, huh? (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And so what, so looking back now at those three months, what are your thoughts about it now? Remembering that you were excited and nervous before you went Um, how do you feel about it now? And how do you think that that experience changed your outlook on life? Oh my gosh. I think it seems like the world is such a bigger place now, not geographically, but, um, culturally Mm -hmm. because like in, in Nevada, I live in Nevada. And so when we're here, we're completely landlocked. And if we drive for, eight hours in any direction will still be in the United States and everyone will still speak English and it'll be exactly the same as where we left it, just a change in scenery. Mm -hmm. But if you drive two hours from Italy, you can drive all the way to Germany and it's completely different. And so you're in a new country, you're in a new language, the culture is completely different. And but in that short of and that short amount of time, it, the change you can see is just so amazing. And so you get exposed to all these different cultures and it's just so big. So does it make you want to explore? Oh my gosh, it makes me want to explore everything. I want to go back to Europe, but then I also want to visit everywhere else. And there's just not enough time. <laughs> Gee, I think I've said that before. <laughs> the yeah. thing is, is that you're only 14 and you have, you know, this schooling ahead of you still, and you just have to figure out how to make that happen. I think you will. You will. I'd love to. And on that note, what are your hopes for future travels? Do you, do you plan to study abroad? I know you're learning French. How, how do you think that'll work out? Um, I hope it works out. I would love to, um, stay in France or, Um, I met a family while we were in San Sebastian, Spain, Mm -hmm. and um, they often host um, college students from our town. 
And so I would love to go there someday, stay with them. Maybe I, learn some Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, once you, I mean, you're, you're 14, you're starting French now. Once you get that down, you just keep collecting languages. That's kind of what I do. It's really fun. And it takes you to a lot of new places. <laughs> I'm sure I would love to. Well, Ali, it's been so great talking to you. I really appreciate that you've come on and, and shared this. Um, I really think that a lot of families, especially, are really going to appreciate, um, you know, travel stories from your perspective. So um, thank you so much. And uh, I guess um, we're going to be talking to your sister soon here, huh? Yeah. Thank All you right. for having me. It was so much fun. Great. Thanks, Ali. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, let's go ahead and bring on Noelle, Allie's younger sister. Hi, Noelle. How are you? Good. How are you? I am so great. And how old are you today? I'm 11. You're 11. So when your family went and spent three months in Europe, you were how old? I was eight. Eight years old. And how well do you remember that trip? I remember it pretty well. That's awesome, because we're going to talk about some memories today. So um, I wanted to know, since you were eight years old and your parents made this plan to go to Europe for three months and live in a van, what did you think about that? Were you scared at all or were you nervous or were you excited? What, what did you think? Well, I wasn't very excited because I didn't really want to leave home for so long. Mm -hmm. I thought I would miss my friends and family. Also, um, we left. We still had one more week in summer vacation, and I wanted to stay there for summer vacation. Mm -hmm. um, but it was only one week, so I didn't really, I didn't really get what the big deal was. But I just thought I had more time. So you you were just afraid you were going to miss your friends when you were gone because three months is a long time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were you were you looking forward to seeing a new part of the world? Uh, well, I didn't, I always, I saw a lot of pictures of Europe, but, um, and so I, in my mind, I sort of thought that I knew what it was. So, and I saw all the, the places we were going to go. Right. Um, so I wasn't very excited. <laughs> Not very excited. All right. <laughs> Felt like your parents were maybe dragging you into this, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So what do you think was the hardest part about being over there? Like your sister mentioned um, language and, and money exchange, stuff like that. What do you think was the hardest for you? I thought that being in a, well, for two out of the three months, we we're camping every night in a van. And there's only so much family I can take. <laughs> and my sister and I get along really well. But being together 24 hours a day is pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing that even at 11 and 14, you can still say that you and your sister get along really well. That's, that's really awesome. And I think that would come in really handy when you're living in a van, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Also, um, I'm really picky when it comes to food. And so the food there was very different because it's a whole nother culture. Right. And I did not like the food. One time in Greece, we um, ordered a dessert. And mm -hmm. so they said, oh, this is going to, this is our sing signature dessert. And right. so we um, ordered it. And it was like this gelatin thing that was really disgusting 
It kind of looks like hard and yellow almost. Oh, hmm. And then we went to another place, and they said it was their signature thing, and we forgot what it was called. Signature dessert? Yeah. Forgot what it was called, so we ordered it again. <laughs> and that was a big mistake. So you're, you're not a fan of hard gelatin, huh? Nope. <laughs> I, I don't think that I would be either. Actually, I have traveled in Greece and I, I have to agree with you a little bit. I know a lot of people are going to not agree with me on this one, but I'm not a big fan of the Mediterranean style of food. And when you're in a place like that and it's hard to get away from, you know, cause it's everywhere. So I, I can sympathize with you on, on the food thing to, to an extent, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to find things you like sometimes when everything is so different, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about some of your best memories? What, what were some of the best experiences that you had? Well, um, my best uh, memories were the little surprises that were everywhere. You never really know what to expect in Europe. Mm-hmm. Like, we went, um, my parents tried to find cool parks and campgrounds that had swimming pools, mm-hmm. but they were always not what you expected. Um, for example, at one park in Switzerland, we were in the middle of the a valley and a campground, and it was really, really beautiful. And Allie and I went to a park, and we saw this slide, and we thought it was just a regular slide, but it sort of dropped into the hill, sort of, so you couldn't see the whole slide. And when my sister and I got up there, we noticed that there was a rope hanging down for you to hang on to. Uh-oh. And... But I didn't really use, I didn't use the rope because I thought it was just for little kids or something and Mm -hmm. you don't really need it. And I went down there and it was really, really, really steep and it was really crazy and gnarly and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you shot out the bottom part um, really fast. And then, and so I told my sister, you can go on it, but just keep your head down. And then she discovered the same thing I did. So was it scary or was it fun? It was both. (laughs) I don't think that I would have gone on that side, to be honest with you. I think that would have scared me. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I like. That's one of my, some of my greatest memories about Europe. So you liked like the places that you guys stayed and, and the parks and just the adventure in seeing all of the different places. Yeah. That's awesome. So I asked your sister this too, but how do you think that this three month excursion affected your relationship with your family? We definitely have a lot of stories to tell when we're at dinner or something. Um, My sister and I aren't really afraid to try new things as much as we did before we went on that trip. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're braver now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that that would happen to you for sure. I mean, that happens to, to me every time I go somewhere new too. So you're just starting young, which is even better. Um, yeah. Um, you can never really tell if it bonded you or not. And why Um, do you say that? Well, because we were pretty close before we went to Europe, Mm -hmm. but I think it might've brought us a little closer because we have a lot of things to talk about and we've been through so much together. Right. Um, that, yeah, maybe it did. Maybe it did. Yeah. It sounds like it, it sounds like it probably did. Yeah. 
So now, now that it's over, now that you can look back on it, I mean, I know it's been three years, but how do you think that that experience changed you and your outlook on life? Well, I know that I'm a little um, kinder to people and understanding that don't know the, our language when they mm-hmm. came here mm-hmm. because I know it's really frustrating uh, yes. to be in a country and you don't know their language. And so now I kind of understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I can handle frustration a little better. There was a lot of times when I was really frustrated there. Like one time we missed our midnight train to go to Spain. Mm-hmm. And luckily my dad found a hotel that was right a, um, that was basically right across the street from the train station. Um, and we were in Paris. We went to sleep at 1.30 because we missed the midnight train. And then we had to get up at 5 o'clock mm-hmm. the next morning. Mm-hmm. And I was just so frustrated and tired. Um, that, well, my mom asked me to go get a drink of water and that was kind of the last straw. So I stood up and headbutted her in the stomach. Oh no. (laughs) And so I don't, um, yeah, I kind of know how to, uh, handle frustration more because I've been in a lot of, um, experiences where you probably need to. (laughs) Yeah. So are you saying you probably wouldn't act that way now? Yeah, I wouldn't act like that. Now. Yeah, you you kind of know how to handle things a little a little cooler now. Yes, that's great. So, do you have any hopes for future travels? I mean, are you are you thinking about studying abroad? Maybe like your sister, or or what do you think about that? Yeah, I would, we know some friends that we met in Spain, mm-hmm. and um, in the um, I'm in a class in school where. Um, where it teaches you like half Spanish and half English. Mm-hmm. And so I already know some Spanish, but I would like to kind of, but we have, um, they teach us the Mexican um, right. Spanish, yeah. but I would love to learn the Spain. Like I would like to learn the Spanish. They um, talk in Spain. So mm-hmm. I would like to go um, study abroad with um, in Spain. That's so awesome. Good for you. I think that's a great goal and you should stick with it and you should stick with your Spanish as well. I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, Noel, thank you so much for sharing with us that, that wraps it up for, for us today, but I really appreciate you coming on and, um, and talking with everybody about this. It's really special, I think. So thank you so much and we'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, bye, Noel. Bye. All right, so let's go ahead and bring Graham onto the show. Graham, thank you so much for joining me on the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. So, Graham, um, how old are you? Um, I'm 14. You're 14 now, and you and your family took a trip. How long ago was that? Um, that was when I was 10. And 11. So when I was in the sixth grade, sixth grade, so you were 10 and 11. And what was that trip? Can you maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and, um, and what were the travels that you got to do with your family? So, uh, um, my name's Graham branch. Um, and 
I had the opportunity, my father's an English professor at MSU, his name's Kirk Branch, and he was awarded a Fulbright Scholar to send us to a small town in Indonesia called Salatiga, which is in central Java for a year. And that allowed us to do all lots of travels around Southeast Asia and in Asiana Pacific, Pacific area. And it was a really, like, mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I love that you say that. So you actually got to go for a whole year. And was your dad, he was teaching English over there? Or what was that for? Um, he was teaching upper-level English classes and creative writing and, um, like, rhetoric, that sort of thing, in a small university. Okay. And so you guys were, you lived in, in one place for the whole year? Is that how it worked? Um, we lived in one place for the whole year, but, um, like, something that, like, a lot of travelers may know, like, in Southeast Asia, it's, like, very affordable to go places, so we did like tons and tons of traveling every single weekend we'd go somewhere. Right. That's awesome. Um, so before you left on this trip, what, what was your reaction when you found out that you were going, were you excited or were you scared or mad at your parents for deciding to uproot you and take you away for a year? What was going through your head? Well, originally we were, um, actually declined the, my dad was actually declined the scholarship. So we were all really disappointed. But then the person that was in his place had to like drop out for some reason unknown to us. And we got to like take their place. You could say. Mm -hmm. So, um, like at first I have an older brother who was a freshman at the time. He's going to college now. And he was very, very, very frustrated. So in a way, I wanted to sort of use it as an opportunity to get on my parents' good side. But also I was very, <laughs> I was very scared because I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. And that, that's definitely understandable. What was mm -hmm. it that scared you? Well, um, like it's sort of a far-off place. And being in Bozeman, Montana, not doing a lot of traveling before that... It was hard just for my head to wrap around the fact that we we're going like 8,000 miles away to a completely alien place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you afraid you were going to miss your friends or any of that? Were you excited a little bit for the adventure? I was excited for the adventure, but I was really sad because like, I was missing a lot of friends at what, in my mind, was a critical point in my life, which mm -hmm. wasn't if we would have stayed in Bozeman. Okay. So what, what do you think were the hardest parts about your travel experience? Well, um, I know like just it's, there's, if you've ever been to Indonesia, it's so different. Like Indonesia and Bozeman could not be any two more different places. <laughs> uh -huh. So this is just a little example. One, one of the first weeks we got in Indonesia, we, we're in our town, and I was very, very jet-lagged and phenomenally emotionally unstable and did not at all want to go to school. And I was crying, and I wouldn't eat breakfast. So my mom offered, she said, let's just go to the local bakery, get you some a little treat. So that local bakery was called Wonder Bakery. 
And it was several blocks from the place we were staying. So we walked up, and I picked out this sugar-coated donut. And I was like, you know what? This is going to make my day. And we got it, went back to the hotel. And because of our, like, at the time, we didn't speak any Indonesian. Uh-huh. So we couldn't read labels. So um, the first thing I did was take a bite of that donut and found that it was filled with tuna fish. Oh. <laughs> So, like, part of it is just we had such a... We didn't understand what it was like to be in a different place. And we didn't understand the people. We didn't understand the culture. And it was also very difficult because we live in a very unreligious family. Mm-hmm. And um, the school we were at was a missionary school that was filled with Christians from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And that alone was a huge amount of culture shock because me and my brother had never been going to church as kids or at least that kind of church. And it was like that was part of that was almost one of the most shocking things that we did there. Because you went to a school that was based on was it based on a religion there? It was a surrounded over this very, very, very fundamental belief of Christianity. Okay. So, so adjusting to the culture and adjusting to donuts filled with tuna, that was a challenge for you, huh? That was a challenge. I can't even imagine, oh, what that would have tasted like and how much more it would have just ruined your day. Yeah, that happened. I just sank every oh, part of me. So, obviously, there are some bad times adjusting. Um, did that get better as the year went on? Well, once we got there... Um, the first month was pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to be there. My brother didn't really want to be there. From what we had experienced, the city we were living wasn't very pleasant, which changed over time. And my mom didn't have a job and was always, like, bored. And my dad was in this totally... And that first month just was not a good month. Mm-hmm. It was just bad in all definitions of the word. And then um, finally my dad's like, let's go to Bali. And we went to Bali, and when we came back, it just, like, changed everything. And that next nine months were the best nine months of my entire life. So why was Bali so um, pivotal for you guys? I think what it was is where the place we were we were, like, virtually, besides the few missionaries that stayed in the school the entire time, we were really the only, like, foreign people in our city. Because in no way it's a tourist destination. No one goes there to see the sights. It was, there were, like, it was pretty much the only, we were the only, like, foreign people in the whole city and we didn't really understand anyone mm-hmm. and going to Bali sort of like opened our eyes because they like there's a huge tourist culture in Bali and they like realized that we were foreign and I think like being in a foreign place but not being seen as a totally alien creature was like yeah. really pivotal for us mm-hmm. and then going back sort of being able to like understand that we were actually the only white people and that we were going to get looks and people weren't going to understand us that much and sort of just embracing that. Right. Right. 
I can see how that would be important in uh, in Indonesia for sure. So what were, I guess, going back a little bit, and you said that first month was just just kind of miserable. It just makes me think, you know, when when you when you move your life abroad, there's like almost like a trial period. It's like when you. I think of it like going out for a run. You have to warm up before you can really get into it, you know? And that it's like the first mile of a run is just like painful, you know? And I think that's kind of what it sounds like it was for you guys, just adjusting and kind of getting used to it, finding your pace, so to speak. Um, do you think that that first month was worth it? Definitely. In all definitions of the word, it was like, if I, that first month was like, it could have, it didn't matter how miserable it was. Those last nine months would have been worth anything. They were mm-hmm. amazing. That's awesome. Okay, so then will you share with us some of your best memories from, from the year? Yeah, so um, I've always been very interested in cooking. And every single restaurant I would go to, especially towards the end of our trip, once I started to speak more fluent Indonesian, yeah, I would um, always ask, can I go in your kitchen? And it's, I was like, in Indonesia, there's a small, small, small portion of people that are from the United States. Mm-hmm. And then it's an even smaller portion of those people that are really small and cute. And a, like virtually non-existent portion of those small, cute people from America that can speak fluent Indonesian. Okay. So yeah. I was like in my own like demographic (laughs) exactly so um they would always invite me and we were in bali at a place called i can't remember what it was called it was a bobby gooling place which is roast pig Mm -hmm. that's the specialty in Mm -hmm. bali is that suckling pig right yes yeah okay we had that when we were there too it's very delicious and i told my parents that i was gonna go ask if i could see the kitchen so I walk up to this old guy and I said, um, can I uh, go see your kitchen? <laughs> and he's, of course you can. And he brings me out to the back. Meanwhile, my parents are just keeping an eye on me. I get on the back of his motorcycle and we just drive off. <laughs> and I was like, sort of didn't really understand what was going on. So it seemed so normal to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. My parents, of course, like freaked out. Like, where did our son just go? And it turns out he was actually taking me to their, um, he was taking me to their, where they cook all their pigs. So he takes me into this marble building mm-hmm. and out front there are all these pigs and it was actually their future location, the location that they're planning on moving to. The restaurant? It was probably a five, ten minute ride from the place we were eating. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the back, there were probably eight stalls and 30 guys that were just like, had these big pigs roasting on a pit, just turning them around. Wow. And every first, they roast these pigs for six hours. And every, like about every 15 minutes, they base them with uh, like, it's palm sugar, coconut milk, and tamarind pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um... I looked and I got to turn the pig and I got my picture taken, hung out with these guys. And then I just came back and sat down to keep eating my dinner like nothing had happened. Were your parents freaked out or were you excited enough when you got back that they understood that everything was fine? 
they were just relieved that I wasn't like taken. Yeah. I mean, that is nerve wracking. I, I mean, I can only imagine for a parent, mm-hmm. you know? And then uh, like, as soon as I had told them what happened, they were like totally, <coughs> sorry. They were totally like loved that I had just gone out and done this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's very bold. I mean, I think it's bold anyway to go up to, you know, people in the kitchen and just ask or in the restaurant and just ask to go into the back. I think it's pretty awesome. And they probably saw you as just, you know, the, the curious kid who wants to see it. And they obviously love to show you around. But it's definitely bold. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. What else and did you do like on your own like that? At a certain point in Indonesia, like because I was of my own demographic, and I was a cute little white kid that spoke Indonesian. Yeah. I could, like, get on my bicycle and just leave and go explore. And most afternoons when I got home from school, that was something I'd do. I'd get, like, a couple bucks in my pocket just in case anything happened. And I'd just go ride my bike and do something exciting. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any more stories you want to share with us? Um, here's a good story. <laughs> so, um, in Indonesia, there's the Komodo Islands, which are the, um, only place on the earth where Komodos live naturally in their habitat. Mm-hmm. And it's a really rare place because the reason the Komodo dragons only live there is the currents are so strong. There's the water on one side of the island is a foot higher than it is on the other side. So there's just huh. these extremely strong currents. So these Komodo dragons aren't able to swim into the mainland of Indonesia or like as most mainland as you can get with right. a country of 17,000 islands. Right. So um, we went on this cruise to see the Komodo Islands and then go to Flores. And when you think of cruise, you think of like big carnival cruise with slides my parents were potentially, were pretty much sleeping in broom closet. Oh, that's nice. And me and my brother were sleeping on the dock of this uh, vaguely unseaworthy boat. And in that situation, because I was so little, I just wanted to drive the boat. <laughs> and because there are no safety regulations, um, that was totally fine. So really what I did is... Just drive the boat for them. <laughs> so that was that cruise was just like so fun because I was like the captain. That's awesome. Except I was only ten. Yeah. And then of course the Komodo Islands were amazing, and the snorkeling is like some of the most beautiful things I've ever done. But just the people are so nice that I went to like this rare one of like the most environmentally beautiful places on the world in the world and i did top like the most the best snorkeling you can do anywhere and just the things i remember are just people being nice to me and Um, letting me do things because you're the cute little white kid who speaks indonesian (laughs) yeah that's so awesome way to like leverage that you know being being brave and bold and just getting out there and driving boats and cooking pigs and stuff. That's really cool. Definitely makes for a more interesting adventure, right? Yeah, it like I feel like if I would have 
I I was actually talking about this with my parents the other day, and we were saying like, what would the trip have been like if we stayed in the mindset that we were in that first month, mm. mm-hmm. where we just didn't want to do anything? And really, I feel like people that are going to do big experiences just have to like take every single opportunity. If someone like invites them to go to their house and have dinner, even though they already have plans, just like do it. Yeah. And really, like, nothing can go wrong. And generally, especially in our situation, it was worth it by all means. So great to hear. So now looking back at this trip, at the whole entire year, what what are your thoughts about it now? Because you had said at the beginning that you were afraid you were going to miss your friends at a crucial time in your life, you know, and that you... You were excited, but, you know, a little scared. So how, how did that end up working out for you, well, looking back? Looking back on it now, it seems almost like a dream. And it's like whenever you wake up from a really good dream, you always want it to keep going. Yeah. And I was like, didn't want to go, and I was, this is going to suck. All my, I'm not going to be able to see any of my friends. And I didn't see any of my friends, and... I'm um and I don't regret it at all. Yeah, because now like, that you're able to see what you experienced during that time, it's it's easier to say that, huh? Mm-hmm. And it goes both ways. Like when I was leaving Indonesia, I didn't want to leave my friends. And for me, it was even harder to come home than it was to leave. Because leaving home, I knew that I was gonna be able to come back home. Mm-hmm. But leaving Indonesia was one of is hard because you knew you're gonna be able to go back, but just you have so many experiences that you know you're not gonna be able to have for a long time. Yeah, and you don't know when you're gonna be able to go back. Mm-hmm. And this, so, whole, yeah, go ahead. I we have not yet made any plans to go back, but the wheels are turning. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, good. <laughs> I know that's always really hard. I mean, you bring up a good point because you think that getting up and getting out your door is the hardest thing, but then you get there and everything falls into place and you know, you're still alive and everything's fine and fun and exciting and it's an adventure. And, and when it comes time to leave, you realize how much you've grown to love what you just experienced. And that time can never really happen again. Like even if you do get to go back, it'll never be the same. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking when I came home from my first year abroad in Costa Rica, oh my goodness, I was like just bawling on the plane. You know, I just didn't want to be, I felt completely uprooted. And so I, I get what you're, what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. And the last night we had in Asia was in Singapore and, um, if you've ever been to Singapore, it's a little, it's a lot to take in because there are a lot of laws about everything. Mm-hmm. And it's super clean and everyone's like, there's malls everywhere. And that last night was one of my best nights because we didn't even get back until it was me, my mom, and my brother. And we didn't get back to our hotel till maybe one, two in the morning because we just sat in a taxi going everywhere. Oh, that's fun. And you and can see like, all of Singapore by doing that in not much time, really. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I wish I would have done before the last night because there are a lot of places that I would have rather stayed more than five minutes. Of course, yeah. And 
that night we went to the botanical gardens. We went to the Merlion. We went through all these big famous buildings. And it was just when you, there's always those things that you do at the last minute because you're never, you know, you're never going to be able to do them again. And I feel like what I have to remember is don't do those things at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Just do them like at the first minute. So you have the most time to do them. You know, I think that can be translated into travel in general, too, mm-hmm. you know, because people wait so long. And I think that's that's part of the reason why I do this podcast, you know, is to encourage people to travel now. You know, why wait? Why wait until that last minute? You're absolutely right about that. Start at the first minute. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be a quote, I think. <laughs> So how do you think that this year experience that you've had overseas changed your outlook on life? Well, first of all, like, I know that when people tell me this, it makes me so mad, but they're totally right. Like, where I am now in my life, being like 14 and when I was there being like 10 and 11, it's it's a time of your life when you're taking everything in. And in a sense, I... you're in no way independent because you're just taking in all of your surroundings to learn what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And being in that trip in such an alien environment with people I didn't know and didn't understand and they did things I didn't understand and like having, being in a place where everything was alien sort of just like made me want to learn about other stuff. Because Bozeman is like small fraction of what's in the entire world. Oh, yeah. And that's with any city, no matter how big. Like right. if you live in New York City, it's small compared to everything. Right. And just I've learned to broaden my horizons. And the other thing I've learned is even in the silliest places, like when you're there, leave your hotel and go do something. Like every Thanksgiving... We have a Nordic ski camp. I'm a competitive Nordic skier, and we have a Nordic ski camp in West Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. And even, like, I'm now, like, totally in the loop with all the people that live in West Yellowstone in the wintertime because I leave. Like, even in the silliest, dumbiest town in the whole world, I go do something. And, like, I feel wherever you are, even if you're in Bozeman, go somewhere you haven't been. Right. Yeah, we can new. Mm-hmm. We can be travelers in our own town. Definitely. It's a mindset. And that's like really what I feel like I've taken away from the most. Like, just go do something. If go you're bored, something. go do something. Go do something new. <laughs> I love it. It's so simple, but I love it. So do you have um, any hopes for future travels? I mean, I really hope that you decide to study abroad someday. Are you thinking about that or what do you, what have you got going there? Well, I'd love to I'd love to study abroad in college and I'd really like to just go and do as much traveling as I possibly can. No matter where it is, I just like to go. Mhm. When it comes to travels in the near future, actually tomorrow morning, I my plane flies out at ten thirteen, and I'm going to Ireland with my family, with my grandma. Oh wow, that's so awesome! Mm-hmm. She is an Irish immigrant. She immigrated here when she turned sixteen, like long time ago. Yeah, 
and um, she was just in the East Coast, and all of her siblings are old and decrepit, and she's in a very good condition. So for Christmas, she said she wanted to take us back to the old country before it's too late. Oh, cool. So you guys are going as a family. Yeah. Me, my grandma, my brother, my mom, my dad. Nice. And how long are you going for? Um, we're going to be in Ireland for about 18 days, and we're going to be going all around Ireland, staying with family members, like, the whole time. That is going to be so fun for you. Actually, this uh, this podcast episode, by the time it goes live, you should already be back. Be back. So, well, that's great. I'm so glad that... Uh that you're traveling again right now after we're doing this episode. And, um, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. I mean, it's really, really great to hear from, from your perspective, you know, and hear your stories. And I think a lot of people are going to appreciate that. So, um, so yeah, thanks a lot, Graham. Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, I just like go do some fun, go travel. Go travel. Go do something fun. Take it from Graham. He's 14. He gets it. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Graham. We'll talk to you later, okay? Bye. Thank All right. you. Bye. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed those three interviews with these up-and-coming travelers who already have some experiences under their belts. How amazing is it to hear these kids talking about their wishes to see more of the world, to study abroad, to learn foreign languages, and to continue to connect with people from other cultures. I think it's just so uh, amazing. I realize that I use the word awesome a lot. I would apologize, but I don't think that's going to make me stop anytime soon. So sorry, not sorry, but I hope it doesn't bother you. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I hope that you were inspired to imagine what this type of travel would look like with your family. And I mean, obviously these kids were exposed to situations that taught them lessons that they simply would not learn in a classroom, which makes the whole thing worth it for them. And if you are going to travel, I would encourage you to let your kids be bold and go shopping on their own or ask to see the cook's kitchen or drive the boat because these are obviously the things that teach them the most, you know, that stick with them the most. And in the end, you're the one providing your kids with an opportunity to educate themselves through travel and you're still in charge. You know, you're just creating this adventure together while you can still rein them in if you need to. Uh, I know this episode has gone a little long, but I hope that it's made a big impression and uh, inspired some of you parents out there to make travel happen with your kids. You know, you don't have to wait until they're old enough or wait until they're out of the house so that you could go um, by yourselves. You know, you could just do it now and see what happens. My own mother actually just reminded me of a quote that I thought was very appropriate to go with this episode. And that is, People of accomplishment rarely sat back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened to things. And that was by Leonardo da Vinci. And the reason that I found it appropriate is exactly what I said before. You don't have to wait. You know, like Graham said, don't wait until the last minute to do things. Do things at the first minute. I just love that. You know, he said, just go do stuff. (laughs) I mean, aside from making all the memories as a family, you'll have broadened your kids' horizons in huge ways. And you should be proud of yourselves for that. So thanks again so much to Allie and Noelle and Graham for sharing your stories with a whole bunch of adults. 
I think I can speak for a lot of us adults when I say that I hope you stick with your travel goals and dreams. And for you parents who haven't discovered family travel yet, I really hope this gets you thinking about it. So thanks again for tuning in and for sticking with me to the end of this long episode. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. At Sleep Outfitters Outlet, great sleep is a big deal. Save 40 to 60% every day on every Sealy, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Queens as low as $249. Customer exchanges, closeouts, and floor samples. Inventory changes daily, so come in for your dream deal today. With no credit needed financing, expert advice, and up to 60% off retail, it's never been easier to get the sleep and savings you deserve. Go to sleepoutfittersoutlet.com for financing details and to find a store near you.